Uh, as we bring uh, John Manet up in a moment, he's going to be preaching the Word of God to us. Uh, just a reminder that this summer we're just kind of exploring different things that God has laid upon uh, the hearts of different men to preach the Word of God to us. Starting at the beginning of September, we are going to be going through a series through uh, the epistle of 1 John. And so that is coming up in September. In our Cerrito service, we're going back to Genesis through Revelation. That's our eight-year series through the Bible that we stopped before COVID. We're going to re-pick it up where we left off before COVID. Um, John Manet is um, a servant of the Lord. We've known him for, all of us have known him for many years. He's a devoted family man, faithful to his wife, um, Karen, and his three children. He is... Um, uh, just a man of God. We come to respect him. He's a Dodger fan, so he's definitely one of us. Uh, and every, I, I think everyone in our church loves this man. And we believe that God has given, laid upon him a special word for us, for us here today. He's going to be preaching to us from Titus chapter 3 on the spiritual regeneration, the new life, the new birth that Christ brings into our life. And so let's go ahead and welcome up John. He's going to preach the word of God to us. All right. Thanks, Pastor Chris. <clears throat> All right. Can you hear me okay? Whew. It's a lot easier when there's a guitar strapped in front of me, you know. Uh, if you could all uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. So again, we'll be reading from Titus 3, uh, verses 3 through 8. Titus 3. Here we go. Verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of his word today. Amen. Please have a seat. Uh, the title of today's message is Take Me Back to the Start. And yes, I did steal that from a Coldplay lyric. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, uh, the death of a movement is when the people forget why they started. And he uses the word movement. Um, City Bible Church, we define church as a movement of faith. And this movement began over 2,000 years ago when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. The gospel, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And verse 8 says, we must insist on these things, on this, the gospel, so that we may devote ourselves to good works, not the other way around. So if I could just really just cut to the chase. If there's one thing I want you to take away from this message today is this. As a church that's always in motion, I don't want us to ever forget that it's, re- the, it's because of the gospel that we devote ourselves to good works. Let's pray. 
Uh, Holy Spirit, Lord, show us again the beauty of the gospel as we go over it today. Lord, uh, magnifying us, Lord, uh, our view of your holiness, Lord, so we could truly know the depths and the awful sin that is in us, Father. And as you show us that, Lord, let's just continue to magnify your grace and your mercy for us, Father. And let this drive everything we do in this, in this church, every praise we bring, and every suffering we endure. This we pray to the praise and glory of your name. Amen. So, as I look out, uh, many of you here probably have heard the gospel explained to you a thousand times. And maybe some of you have never really heard it explained at any level of detail, but it doesn't matter, right? Any true believer in Jesus Christ would never, ever tire of hearing about the mercies of God. Would you ever tire of hearing about how the God of the universe loves you and he knows you intimately well? Would you ever tire of hearing how, though you were deep in your sin and sorrow, that God came to you and he saved you? from eternal judgment? Would you ever tire that the God, the creator of the universe, seated on the throne of grace, who is all perfect, all knowing, all good, who commands an army of angels to bring about his good and perfect purposes, that God has called you his children and his friend. Would you ever tire of that? I don't think so. That's what I want to preach on today. Should I go on? Now, even studying for this message, I've just been struck by its awesome beauty, its elegant logic, and its harmony throughout the Gospels. I'm also reminded how the world often prefers a simple bumper sticker message, right? Something we could just hear it once and just get, right? Um, and indeed, you can hear the gospel once or twice, and I believe that you can uh, understand it well enough to come to a saving faith. I do believe that. Um, but I think as Christians, you can just spend your entire life just receiving the blessings from this fountain of just amazing truths about God, right? This, just to glean the wisdom and to glean the goodness and the purity and the holiness of God and the justice and mercy of God, your entire life, uh, you can return to this gospel and just, and just keep, keep coming back for more. And I think even you could spend an entire life abiding in Christ and not fully grasping the enormous scale of it. That I am a great sinner. Jesus is a great Savior. And my life could never be the same. So let's jump in. Verse 3. For we, were, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. The Apostle Paul was writing a letter to Titus as a, as a partner in ministry, much like with Timothy. And he writes this letter to instruct him on how to build a church, how to train up leaders. And uh, I love this statement because 
I think for some of you who have been Christians for a while, can kind of look out into the world and maybe despair a little bit, right? Look how bad things have gotten. Look how bad things are going to go. You see the way people treat each other on social media, how we're just a nation that's just divided. But Paul is saying, don't forget, don't despair. And don't get upset at those guys over there and don't hate that person over there. You were once foolish, disobedient, not knowing the will of God revealed in Scripture, led astray, tossed to and fro by Satan and his lies, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Look, even, even Christians sin a lot, but we're not slaves to it anymore. In fact, God gives us the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. We are keenly aware of our sinning and our trespasses. Amen? Not only that, carries with it a sadness over sin. That, but even more than that, we could come to him without fear, but in repentance. Because we believe him when he says our sins are forgiven. Amen? In verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. When I see goodness here, I, I recall when I finally could even glimpse at the notion that God is all good, all powerful, utterly good. There is no evil in him. God is so pure and holy, he can't even look upon sin. Exodus fifteen eleven says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Look, unbelievers sin, just like us. But the difference is they have to hide from God because they deny his holiness in their unrighteousness. Right? We all know that there's a God. We all know that our sin condemns us. But a sinner would deny that God is holy, God is righteous. But if you knew that God was holy, all-powerful, and judged you, it's entirely logical, maybe even understandable, that you would do everything and anything in your power to deny that sin exists, to deny that God exists, to deny that judgment or that hell exists. Amen? The world, even, even some wayward and shipwrecked churches all across the world have a counterfeit version of this gospel where there is no arbiter of good and evil. That Jesus was just this really cool dude, pretty wise, nice guy. That there is no wrath of God against evil or sinners. We believe that love is God, right? Love is this feeling that I can conjure up and it feels great, right? Love is God. I can worship that God. They also think that we come to church because we want to learn how to become good people, 
right? Now they'll have their Tony Robbins and their Jordan Petersons and, and whoever else to teach them how to be good. You, you do church. You do, you do you. That's fine. Works for you. Great. And in this logic, you do good things to somehow outweigh the bad things you might possibly do instead of putting the faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is heresy, right? This is, this is saying that there's no way that I could be so irredeemably sinful that God would, would uh, hate me, right? Why would God lack the compassion for me that I would have for myself? Knowing how flawed that I am, maybe somewhat, I wouldn't hold it against anyone who might be just marginally sinful like me. So I would forgive me. Now, either God is equally loving and kind and, and wise as I am, either that or God isn't, and he is not worthy of my worship. Doing this, the standard of good and, good and evil rests on you, not on a holy God. This is insanity, Right? No, if the goodness of God just showed up by itself, we would be doomed. Still in verse 4, but the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. This is grace. This is mercy. This is forgiveness. Bought at a price on the cross of a sinless Savior. This is a gift given to you out of love, not out of obligation, What payment is sufficient if you sin against the holy, sinless God? What, did you give $5 to some beggar off the freeway today? Did you help an old lady walk across the street? Did you give a bag or maybe two bags of your unwanted used clothing to give goodwill? Will that do it? Will that suffice? Only a sacrifice equal to the holiness of God could ever pay that price. God himself. Verse 5 and 6. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Not because you earned it or deserved it or somehow obligated God to love you, if you were given justice according to you, we would suffer eternal hell. But he saved us. Not by works, but grace. Grace is defined as kindness undeserved. Even if we gave up everything to give up our lives, even if we were to die as payment for our sins, guess what? That is an unworthy sacrifice. It's like taking a, 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 a ripped off a corner of a dirty, old dollar bill, maybe a lira, right? This, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's worn out, it's burnt, it's, it's filthy. And trying to take this just little piece of a dollar bill and trying to pay an eternal debt. Still in verse 5, but according to his mercy not yours. 
The great Puritan writer Jonathan Edwards once said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Chew on that. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ our Savior, cleansed of the stain of sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You are a new creation that can now acknowledge holy God, that could repent of sin through Christ's mercy and sufficiency as a holy sacrifice. Faith in that. So being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified is a legal term, meaning complete acquittal. We are being transferred from the eternal wrath of God to being heirs. That's another legal term, as in the child of the Most High, right? We're not taking this little dial over to the left here and just nudging it over a couple inches. We are being transferred from eternal judgment, eternal hell, to child of the Most High God. So act like it. Romans eight thirty-seven through 39. I love this verse. If this isn't already uh, highlighted in your Bibles, let me help you out. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Verse 8. So the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things the gospel, so that those who have believed in God, City Bible Church, all of you, can be careful to devote yourselves to good works. And these things are excellent and profitable for people. It doesn't say these things are excellent and profitable for Norm, though it is, or Pastor Chris. These things are excellent and profitable for all of us. Sometimes you need to ask yourself, why are we here, right? Take me back to the start, Jesus. And why are we here is a a great question to ask sometimes when you're in a difficult relationship, maybe the job you hate. Maybe you're at some social event where you have to pretend you like everybody, right? Why am I here? What is this? And in your personal faith and as a church, you ask yourself, you know, I'm just so deflated And maybe sometimes you're in a spiritually dry place and you're dragging yourself to church. Putting in nights and weekends still. Maybe you're dealing with weirdos like me in ministry. Now take a step further. How about when you have to take a stand for your faith? When you have to take a a stand for what you believe? 
God has promised and even ordained that he, has, he will sanctify your afflictions for his glory and to make you holy. And Matt preached on being steadfast through suffering. Kevin preached on walking as wise. This is in direct opposition to the wisdom of the world, right? The world's going to fight you on this. And when, not if, that moment comes for you, for us, why am I here? Why am I being put through this? You had better have a satisfactory answer on that day. And let's not pretend that taking a stand is easy. The apostle Peter made that mistake when he said he would never deny Jesus. And only hours later, uh, denied him three times. Why are we here? What is the point? If we're a church that's just busy and forgets the gospel, why we're, we're here, our part in this great movement of faith is done. If you, as an individual, find yourself just continually doing good works, and somewhere along the way you let the world's version of this gospel get to you, this counterfeit gospel, it's just not going to be enough to keep going. It's an empty and futile effort. And I should know. When I was younger, I rushed into studying music as a career. I was active in music ministries, I think really since I was uh, probably 12 or 13. In fact, uh, Danny Harada was, was there, and Matt was there when it happened. Uh, <laughs> not really knowing the gospel... When my faith was challenged by my college roommates, this faith entirely based on emotions, my faith completely unraveled. And I didn't even really know what was happening until I was halfway through my master's degree at a very expensive school. Now, still active in church, conference bands, summer camps, youth and college ministries, thinking that God had called me there in his still and small voice. I was like a boat dropped off in the middle of the ocean, hundreds of miles from shore without a paddle or any wind in my sails. Just dropped off there by God, and then God disappeared. And this was not just a spiritually dry time of my life. Seriously, I, I felt like I had just died. And by God's grace, he restored my faith. He brought me back. <laughs> you know how it happened, actually, um... I decided, I committed myself to reading the Bible and memorizing verses throughout so that I could prove those Bible-thumping weirdos on campus wrong. That was my mission. And uh, he changed my heart. I dropped my nets and I came rushing towards him immediately. That experience was terrifying for me. And I think I carry that fear with me even to this day. I resolved to never lose my grip on the gospel, to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And let me close with this one last thing. I keep coming back to the gospel because as I grow in my understanding and my knowledge of the holiness of God, that causes me to be even more heavy laden with the foulness of my sin. And when I'm overcome with the depths of my awful sin, I could look to the heights and see God there and even more 
praise God for his mercy and his grace. You see how this works? It's like this cyclical thing. You have to keep coming back. The more you lift Jesus up, the more you realize who you are, and the more, even more amazing and outstanding this, this, this grace and mercy is in Jesus Christ. Yes, I still sin, but I don't let shame cause me from not coming to Jesus. It doesn't cause me to hide from his amazing grace. The evil, will try to, the evil one will try to convince you that this is the right thing to do, right? When you, when you sin horribly, you're just like, oh, I can't, I can't even, you know, do this. I can't even go to church. I can't even look God in the, in the eyes. But um, now I'm here to tell you, just come to God even more. Praise God even louder. Come into the light. Live victoriously. Rejoicing every day. This happens throughout your journey of faith. And always ask God, please just take me back to the start. Holy Father, I just pray that this, the, the beauty of the gospel would never leave us, Father. Just magnify in us your, your holiness, Father, that we can just see who you are and see who we are that we'll never, ever forget to just give praise to you, Father, for, for, for saving us, for loving us, Lord. And let this lead us to good works that you've prepared for us beforehand, never forgetting why this movement started. I pray for all of our efforts to be covered by your grace and give praise to and glory to you alone. Take us back to the start, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, John, uh, for preaching the word of God to us. And, um, you know, there's two thoughts that were going through my mind as John was preaching. One was um, when he's talking about how at one point we were all foolish. Uh, and it says in Titus 3, it says we were uh, foolish, we were disobedient, we were slaves to our passions and pleasures. Uh, we were slaves to our um, just uh, our disobedience. I don't know if you noticed, but there was this breeze that came through where there's some kind of manure in this area. And we smelt it very strongly as a family, right as John was talking about our sin. So I wonder if the Holy Spirit was giving us kind of an experiential reminder of what, what he was saying to us through John. But the second thing that was going through my mind is that, uh, you know, I really encourage you to listen to more of John's testimony. He didn't have a lot of time to share it today, but he came from a background where at one point in his younger years, he was like Paul says in Titus 1, uh, he was full of malice. He was uh, an empty talker, full of deceit. And I love when I hear from people like John who has had their lives changed by the truth, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes you can listen to a message and you say, that's true. But it kind of felt flat. And then there's other times you can listen to a message and say, that's true. But man, that speaker, he really spoke from the gut. He really believed in what he was saying because he's lived it. And so, John, thank you. You blessed us tremendously through that testimony, a reminder of why we're here, why we're here at church, why we're here on earth. It is through the grace 
and the salvation, the regeneration of, to new life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to hear that all of the time. Be reminded of that. Never get tired of that truth, you guys. All right, so we're going to stand now. We're going to close in a song of worship.